Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you want to support the show, check out our merch store over on Etsy at etsy.com slash shop slash beyond blathers. And make sure to follow us over on TikTok. You can find us at beyond underscore blathers. And please give us a follow so you can see all of Olivia's amazing TikToks, which I am obsessed with. (laughs) So today we are going to be talking about the Madagascan sunset moth, which is such a beautiful looking specimen and i'm excited to talk about it i just love when we do moss and butterflies and there's a lot of them to do there are a lot of them and this one was just so pretty and i've been weirdly like i feel like they've been popping up in my life a lot this past week like i just see pictures of them but then also like one of our guests from very early on in our show elon is running like a specimen like artistic insect specimen workshop that I'm going to and one of the things we can have is a a Madagascan sunset moth so I was like oh maybe I should like research them because we're going to be pinning that learning how to pin them properly and and do some like pretty art stuff with them so I'm excited for that you'll have to share whatever you make yeah hopefully I get one of the sunset moths I think it might be a little competitive to see who gets what You'll have to fight for the sunset Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there might be something else that catches my eye. Who knows? Sweet. Well, yeah, I'm excited to learn more about them. But first, let's see what Blathers has to say. So if you bring a sunset moth to Blathers, he'll say, The Madagascan sunset moth is said to be the most beautiful moth in the world, a sentiment even I can't deny. While most moths are nocturnal, this one flutters about during the day, making good use of the light. That is, when the daylight reflects off its wings, a kaleidoscope of colors are revealed. Oh, a too bad it has such startling red feet as a caterpillar. I might have found it almost tolerable otherwise. Almost, but not quite. Sure you would have, Flathers. (laughs) I don't buy that, but fine. He almost gave it a pass for being an insect. Almost. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this species is just completely stunning. It's so beautiful. It's got this wingspan of about 2.8 to three and a half inches, which is pretty big for a butterfly. And its body and most of its wings are black, but it has these... Oh, sorry. I said butterfly. Just to clarify, pretty big for, I guess I should say like Lepidoptera, like between the Mm. moths and the butterflies. I I think like visually it definitely looks like a butterfly. So if I accidentally say butterfly... (laughs) Um, just know I'm talking about a moth. Um, I, I think that's the only time I do it. Anyway, um, yeah, so its body and most of its wings are black, but it has these very, like, iridescent green stripes. And then on its hind wings, it has these, like, glowing red, yellow, and white. Is it sort of like a patch? It's really mesmerizing. It's totally gorgeous. What's really neat about its appearance is that unlike a lot of other colorful moths and butterflies who usually have like one side of their wings that are colorful and one side that's dull, the Madagascan sunset moth, it's it's got both a very colorful top and a pretty colorful bottom side to its wing. If you were to look at the moth from its ventral side, so where its legs stick out, its wings have honestly even more bright blues and yellows I found like it seems like that's the brighter side it's it's so beautiful I can't I know I keep saying that but like it's really cool to look at. 
The color scheme also reminds me a bit of one of those infrared thermal images because it's got like yellow, red, and blue, and then black everywhere else. But it just, yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of that. Like, you know, if you like scan like a person, like if they're like yeah. their warmest parts of their body are red and then it kind of glows out from there. But it's prettier than that, of course. Very cool. So in terms of taxonomy, it's definitely a, a moth, right? This isn't like some trick where it's actually a butterfly because I feel like it looks so butterfly. I know. It, it it really is a moth. and But it looks so much like a swallowtail butterfly because it has these three tails on either sides of its, its wings and it flies in a very swallowtail pattern. The other very unmoth-like thing it does is it will often rest with its wings folded up instead of splayed out. And that's sort of one of the ways that we usually teach people to identify a butterfly versus a moth is the way it sits, if it's sitting with its wings upright or not. The other funny thing, I read this. So what was weird about researching this butterfly is that I had a really hard time finding papers about it beyond like the color structure of its wings. And a lot of the information available was I could only find on Wikipedia and I couldn't fact check it with other papers. And one of the facts that I found that I really wish I could have fact checked, but I think that the paper they had referenced was... I can't remember if it was one of the ones that was in French or it didn't really have a reference on it, was that when it was discovered, the Drew Drury, who was the guy who named it um, to Western science, he had a specimen that had the head of an actual butterfly. Like they'd swapped the head out on the specimen. They also said it was from China, which it's not. Obviously, it's from Madagascar. So I unfortunately could not confirm that on a scientific or or historical paper. But if that's the case, it's very interesting. But regardless, I I did want to bring that up just to mention that it's from Madagascar, as its name suggests. But it can be found Mm. pretty much all around Madagascar. But most of them, they're they're very dependent on where their host plant lives. But we can get into that a bit later. I did want to get into that taxonomy a little bit. It's in a subfamily called the Uraninae, which is a group of tropical moths that for the most part all look like butterflies. Um, There are also some that have these really remarkable, I don't know how to describe this, beyond the fact that they just look like if you took a butterfly, but you like swelled its wings up so that they're just really round. It's really interesting. So I suggest searching up Uraninae. It's U-R-A-N-I-I-N-A-E because they're just very interesting looking Lepidoptera. Within this group, three of the genera in the subfamily are active during the day. They're diurnal. So this is a creature that you're not going to find at night despite being a moth. Right. And so you said that there was a lot of research into the pigmentation of their wings. How does that actually work? I know that there's kind of some funky stuff sometimes about them not actually being that color, but just looking like they're that color. Yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, I feel like every time we do a butterfly episode, we talk about color And I read a bunch of papers and I get really confused and I have a hard time explaining it. So I'm going to try and keep it simple today. Basically, with color in animals, we usually have two ways of getting color. One, well, I guess there's three ways. One is that there's an actual pigmentation in the structures of the body. So if you think of like a printer has ink, ink is a pigment. It is like at its core a color. If you crushed 
like dried ink up, it retains its color. But then you also have something called structural color, which is something where the color is created by the structures, the microscopic structures in the body. And so if you crushed that, you know, if it was a feather, let's say, if you crushed that blue jay feather up, it would not be blue anymore. It would be at its core brown. But because of the way the structures reflect light, we see blue at certain angles. So that's the way a lot of butterfly wings function. The other, the third way that color is produced is like through actual like emitting a light, emitting a color. But we won't get into that because that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, like many other moths and butterflies with super bright colors, the color of these these moths comes from microscopic structures in their wing scales that reflect and distort light in such a way that only certain wavelengths are shown back to the viewer. So they have that structural color. The Madagascan sunset moth, it has a bit more of a unique wing structure, but the uniqueness is something that, that honestly was a little lost on me as it was very technical. But the gist of it is it has multiple layers of these microscopic structures that are filled with little air pockets that help to distort and mix the light colors that it's reflecting back to you. So just imagine like within the scale, there's all these layers and the thickness and the angle of these layers is what affects the color that you see. The other thing that affects it is that the scales are curved, which allows them to shine color between the scales. So it's all very complex. But it's really cool that like through evolution, these really complex features were built up. So I just think it's really wonderful. And if you have the chance, like it's always fun to Google butterfly scales under a microscope. Or if you have a microscope or have access to a microscope, throw a butterfly under there. It's really cool to look at. <laughs> yeah, so these colors that make up the Madagascan sunset moth make them really popular among collectors. And... The thing about having structural pigment in the wings is that they're less likely to fade over time as a result of exposure to light, unlike actual pigments, because actual pigments, uh, I'm saying pigments, <laughs> pigments, uh, like if you had like a painting sitting next to like a really bright window, that painting's going to fade over time. But with the butterflies, like you don't have to really worry about it so much. They they stay pretty colorful. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So in terms of the like collecting of them, is that is that a conservation problem? Like, is there a huge trade in them? Yeah, you would think because they're so beautiful and big, but it doesn't seem like it's a problem because they have, there's a lot of butterfly farms that breed them specifically for collectors. Um, and so they've pretty much removed any market for illegal butterflies because like I said before I mean I'm doing a workshop this week where we have access to specimens that are legal <laughs> that were farmed <laughs> um and so yeah they they're definitely bred and the other thing is they do seem to be relatively common as a wild species sorry if you might hear a little bit of barking behind me I have a puppy who's very loud <laughs> <laughs> they aren't listed on any conservation lists also so they just seem to be doing pretty well. The only hint of a conservation issue I could find was that they are faced to some degree with habitat loss. So on Madagascar, they are very dependent on a specific group of plants. And so if you lose that plant, you lose the butterflies. It also does seem, though, that a lot of the plants are in protected areas. So overall, it 
it doesn't sound like people are super worried about it. But yeah, I'll get into the host plant plant stuff. So basically, the caterpillar Madagascan sunset moths will only eat the four species of plants within the group Omphalia that exist in Madagascar. And the relationship that they have with Omphalia is very interesting because Omphalia really tries hard to defend itself against the sunset moths because they'll basically entirely defoliate. Like they will eat all the leaves off of this plant. It's, it's really rough on the plant. One of the things they try to do, and by they I mean the plants, they have a huge variety of leaf shape even within the same, the same species, which suggests that maybe the plant is trying to disguise itself from the keen vision of the sunset moths who are looking to lay their eggs on its leaves. I think that's really fun because it suggests a lot of, I don't know, the intelligence of plants really, um, yeah. to be able to be like, this animal keeps laying its eggs and then the caterpillars hatch and eat all my leaves. So I'm going to try and not look like what I am. And that's really cool. But then it also suggests that the, the moths are really smart as well, because they can just, <laughs> like, whatever. Omphalia also uses latex as a chemical defense. So latex in most arthropod herbivores, when they eat it, or like when they bite into the leaf that has latex in it, it causes their mouth parts to coagulate. Um, and so that's not very good if you're trying to eat a plant, but it doesn't seem to affect the Madagascan sunset moth caterpillars. So that's also not really working against the caterpillars. Yeah, it's just really clever of the plant to attempt that, but oh well. I feel kind of bad for the plant. Yeah, they're trying their hardest, but you just can't shake these guys. No. I was going to say, too, I did not know that latex was like a natural thing that plants could produce. I thought that we made latex out of plastic or something. Yeah, I've read about it before. I don't I don't know the specific chemical composition it has, but yeah, it's fascinating. It's so interesting because earlier you were talking about farming the sunset moss and like, I don't know. I know we've talked about farming butterflies before, but... It's still so funny to me to think about, but it makes a lot of sense. But Yeah, and I mean, it's it's one of those things that's a little, I don't know, a lot of people have problems with it, but I am also like, I feel like it's, it's so similar to just what we do with all wildlife. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, the only difference is it's for aesthetics as opposed to, like, food, which I can, I can see the concern about that, but, like... Yeah, I, I think it's a really good solution to preventing, um, like, wild-caught specimens. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like a lot of the same issues and topics come up for the Lepidoptera, for sure. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting, that's for sure. If you want to listen to a really good episode kind of about butterfly collection um, from another podcast, Radiolab has a really good episode called Of Butterflies and Bombs or of bombs and butterflies or something like that. Um, and they talk about, well, mostly they're just talking about a, a rare species of butterfly, but then near the end, they start talking a little bit about butterfly trade and it's really interesting. So go mm. listen to that if you want some more really fascinating butterfly content. Not that this is a butterfly, this is a moth. I have to remind <laughs> myself of that. Oh, I keep Lepidoptera content. Lepidoptera, yeah. 
Omphalia also has various associated insect species that have evolved alongside the plant. So Omphalia has leaf nectaries that excrete sweet nectar that attracts polystinae wasps. So think hornets or yellow jackets. And these wasps and hornets prey on caterpillars that may be feeding on the plant, as well as any other bugs that might be around. These nectaries also attract ants that will protect the plant from prey by killing unwanted insects. And as we learned in our month of ants, Ants can be pretty ferocious, so it's surprising to me that between the ants and the wasps, the sunset moth caterpillars can survive solely off these plants. Seems like there's a lot going against them. But when it was observed, like when they looked at these caterpillars and saw all these ants walking around, they noticed that the ants just completely ignored the caterpillars. Like they, they just didn't bother them. Oh, that's interesting. So do they have some kind of defense? Yeah, so it seems like the caterpillars have a chemical defense that they've developed to become distasteful in some way to the ants. Now, the thought is that that's probably a chemical compound that they get from the plant that they're eating. Omphalia plants, not only do they have all these other defenses, but they're also toxic. So they have a toxic compound called AGIs that are, you know, will make herbivores sick and prevents opportunistic feeding of herbivores. But for the sunset moth caterpillars and many of their relatives, these toxins don't hurt them. In fact, they empower the caterpillar with its own toxic defense. It's like they fall into a vat of toxic waste and they come out with superpowers. It's just, yeah, they're, they're eating this plant that's toxic. They get the toxic in them, but instead of it hurting them, they just, they now themselves are toxic. I would watch like a Madagascan sunset moth man Marvel show. I would too. I think I don't think there's that. enough bug inspired superheroes. Like totally. Spider-Man is so successful. You need to capitalize on that. Yeah. And then it the, like the sunset moth man's or woman or person, you know. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Their arch nemesis could be like Omphalia. <laughs> like a, it's a good name. I like yeah, it. it is, and it that could be like a beautiful green woman or something, mm-hmm. like know. a poison ivy style. Yeah, super villain. And they're like constantly fighting each other with toxins and latex, latex and suits. Ants. It all comes back together. Wow. And latex suits, yeah. Oh boy. I guess there's Ant-Man and the Wasp, too. So I'm thinking of all (laughs) There's probably, like, a beetle-inspired one. Mm. But I feel like bugs themselves have so many cool superpowers you could, like, co-opt into a story. Totally. Is there a hornet in, like, a different universe? I feel like there's, like, the green hornet or something. Oh, yeah, the green hornet. But is that... I'm typing it in here. Is that a superhero or is that more of, like, Batman-type? Hmm. I don't really, I don't know anything about this, this superhero, only that it exists. <laughs> uh, I'm going to write bug themed superheroes. Actually, I should just, we should have my brothers on. Yeah. And they will just list every. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. They have. Okay. There's like Mantis from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. There's Bumblebee. There's this one called Yellow Jacket, Blue Beetle, which I, th- I feel like I've heard of, but it's not very popular. Yeah, the Wasp Ant-Man. Black Widow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which is really obvious <laughs> when I think about it. Okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard of Blue Beetle. 
I remember seeing it in one of my brother's like Marvel encyclopedia books. Oh, it's a Justice League. I guess thing. So. I really like. Don't know. I'm sorry. I'm. I am only a nerd about like some specific things. <laughs> oh, played played by Jake Austin in the animated version. Oh what? <laughs> oh he. Oh, I guess he's a voice actor. Wow. <laughs> what do you okay. know? You learn a lot, but still. Bill Wheaton was in it. If anyone here works for Marvel, call us up. We have ideas. Oh, yeah. But also Ben Barnes can play a character. You want him to be the Madagascan sunset moth? Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be the moth itself because he is a villain. Like, Oh, that's right. He would but be I don't like think he... the complex love-hate villain. Yes. Like an enemies to lovers. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> yes. <laughs> he already exists in the Marvel Universe, but... Wait, who is he in the Marvel Universe? He's um, Jigsaw in The Punisher. I have not seen that one. I know. Don't watch it. I've been trying to watch it because, like, my love for him is so strong, but... It's not for me, but Ben Barnes is so for me. So anyway, <laughs> you'll do it for Ben Barnes. I will recast him. Mm-hmm. There, that happens. Jigsaw becomes, yeah, maybe Jigsaw is like a a villain in this as well. So yeah. Anyway. Okay, getting back to <laughs> the adult moth caterpillar <laughs> or the yeah. adult moth. Yeah, basically she lays her eggs always, always on the Omphalia plants to ensure that her caterpillars don't have to travel to find their source plant and they can just develop those chemical defenses and have their food right there. It's very, it's a smart move. But that toxin doesn't just go away when the sunset moth is a caterpillar. Like monarch butterflies who develop their bad taste from milkweed consumption as a caterpillar, the adult Madagascan sunset moths will make their predators sick if consumed. So, yeah, it's really good adaptation. I should mention the adult sunset moths are not obligate with the umphalia plants. They'll drink the nectar of various other plants, including mango flowers. But it said they were really attracted to, like, white flowers, like, kind of tube-shaped white flowers, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's also long been speculated that a big reason for their bright colors is, of course, to warn predators of their toxicity. If this is true, it makes a lot of sense. And it works really well, as there are reports of these bright and obvious butterflies being completely avoided by even the most avid insect predators, like flycatchers. So in terms of finding these moths, are they usually alone or do they hang out in groups? For the most part, they seem to be solitary, but they will gather like at little mud puddles along with other moths and butterflies to feed on minerals. This is, like, a very common behavior in case people aren't aware. Like, butterflies love mud puddles. They love poop. (laughs) Like, they'll just, like, (laughs) gather on poop. Yeah, they're kind of gross that way. The other cool thing, though, about the Madagascan sunset moth is that they will migrate, often in groups of thousands of moths. These migrations seem to occur in response to some stimulus, but research isn't super convinced of what exactly that stimulus is. It likely has something to do with their host plants. So maybe they're overeating the host plant and they just need to find a place with more food. It's possible there's a buildup of parasites that sort of force them to leave and try another place for a little while. The other thing might be that as like too many caterpillars are eating these plants, the plant starts ramping up its toxin production to the point where 
the caterpillars just can't stand it anymore and this basically triggers a migratory morph of the species so they move out but yeah it's really interesting i mean this is something plants can do is they can sort of yeah they can just ramp up the production of a toxin and the neat thing with bugs is that they like it seems like this is a very specific they say a morph of a butterfly or of the moth so you know not all of them are going to be migratory it's just there's some hormonal trigger or something that that produces this behavior really interesting. Again, similar to the monarch where not every monarch is going to make, like they somehow can pass along this knowledge of migration, even if like an, a specific individual hasn't really undergone it. It's all very interesting. So that's the Madagascan sunset moth. This wannabe butterfly is so pretty. It absolutely looks like a Photoshop fake. Like this looks fake. <laughs> and it has extremely tough caterpillars that despite its host plants, many attempts just will not die. They are, they are stubborn. I so love that. mad respect to those caterpillars. And also to the plant. Yeah, both of them. It's a, trying hard. It's a really intriguing story. Yeah. Very cool. It is a, it is like a, a love-hate relationship. Yeah, they are both enemies and friends. Actually, I guess really that friendship goes one way. One um, way. <laughs> yeah. Enemies in one sense and friends in the other. It's like that Star Trek meme where they're like, oh, are you two friends? And one of them says yes. And the other says no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. That was a super fun episode and fun to get back into the Lepidoptera. And thanks so much, everyone, for listening and for joining us again after our little break. And I hope if you are also at the end of your semester and are struggling through finals or marking or being a human in general, um, I hope you're doing okay and that it will be over soon. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. You got this. Use your Beyond Blathers knowledge even if you're, like, an English student or something. <laughs> Just, like, ramp up your nerdiness. Yeah. Even if it has to be an act, you can do this. And if you want to support the show, check out our merch store at etsy.com slash shop slash beyondblathers. And, of course, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at beyondblathers. And check out our TikTok at beyond underscore blathers. And tell a friend if you like our show. Share our show far and wide that we would love that makes us so happy when we see you tag us and things yes please and don't forget to tune in next week to learn more about the insects fish and fossils you can find in animal crossing new horizons bye bye <laughs>